reading, in a nutshell, I answered the question, is it all vanity? I took the reading, uh, the bookends of the reading that say essentially those words, it's all vanity under the sun, it's all worthless, it's all a vapor, it's all a mist, life is meaningless. It sounds like the author's trying to tell us. And then I kind of flipped it on its head at the end of the sermon and said, well, that is entirely true with one exception. It's all meaningless without God in our lives. And this side of the cross, we'd say without Jesus, the Holy Spirit, in our lives, it is all meaningless, that it's all striving. I think we've all striven, or we are all currently striving at something. I'm striving to lose a little weight right now, so that requires Monday, Wednesday, and Friday walks, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, Saturday swims. I'm striving to get a little thinner. Um, and there's nothing wrong necessarily with obedient striving for a, a greater good, but the author seems to understand something as he speaks about how wise he is, and he speaks about how much money he has, how much experience he has. He seems to be trying to get us to understand that without God, we literally have no purpose in this life. There is really nothing you could bring up in a conversation or a debate that would satisfy that nagging question that everyone's had in their life at one point or another. What's the point? What's the point of all this? You know, we come here, I remember the Animal House movie, you know, fat, dumb, and stupid is no way to go through life. Dean Wormer says to the Right, and he's basically saying, don't waste your life, young men. You, you weren't sent here to eat a lot of food, buy a lot of nice cars, experience a lot of great things, die, and that's it. It's kind of the underlying tension that's in that Ecclesiastes book. And I concluded my sermon on Sunday with this assertion, or this assumption, that vanity comes from a, a diseased heart, is the word I used. And I said that it was a heart that neglected its relationship with its creator, and I said that it's a heart that only serves to gratify itself. I have a lot of friends who believe that one of the most important things in life is to gather all the experiences they can. And it's fun to have new experiences, but it's not the point of life. Um, it only leads to self-gratify. And ultimately, a diseased heart leads to death, and that's the point that Paul's making in Colossians. But he's not talking about our physical death. He's talking about our spiritual death. And he's saying in this that since we have died spiritually, we ought to be new or different now. And he goes on to talk about the relationships that we're supposed to have now in Christ as new creations. We've put the old thing to death, and we've received the gift of eternal life, forgiveness, and now we should be different. And so he's lecturing this church at Colossae about how they should be behaving. And he says, your behavior is entirely guided by your heart. And so I said at the end of the sermon and kind of rushed it that um, he gives us three images or three ideas to think about when it comes to the condition of our heart, both physically and spiritually. Our heart. Jesus says further uh, in, in Matthew's gospel, uh, this thing about our heart condition. I want to start with this reminder and then dive in to what does a good heart, according to Paul and Colossians, look like. Jesus says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And so he called a group of people to him and he said, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into a mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of one's mouth. This defiles a person. Then the disciples came to him and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? 
He answered, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone, they are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, please explain to us this parable. And he said, are you still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and this defiles a person. That's the heart of vanity that the author of Ecclesiastes is talking about. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Paul starts his list. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two you once walked when you were living in them, but we don't live in them anymore, Paul will go on to say. Paul goes on to describe this new healthy heart condition. Praise the Lord that we've been given, thanks be to the Holy Spirit. So here's the quick short list. Paul says, the healthy heart has an outer layer of love. Imagine the eighth grade uh, model that we all looked at in our biology class of the human man or woman. It was clear, and it had all the parts inside of it, and they were different colors, and the heart was red and had the big blue vein on it. Well, imagine that outer cover of that heart is actually covered not in fascia or muscle, but actually in a layer of love that's ready to receive love and ready to give love. I said in my sermon, A priest gave me this advice when I went to seminary, and I'll repeat it as often as I'm asked. Love easily and be easily loved, she told me, as a word of recommendation going into ordained ministry. Love easily and be easily loved. That's what it would look like, I think, for us to have outer hearts of love. Paul says also that these outer hearts of love are the thing that binds us all together in perfect harmony. Um, In perfect harmony. And it doesn't bind just us one to another, but it binds us corporately. Paul's always quick to talk about the responsibility that we have, not just to a couple people, but to the entire church. It's what we do in baptism. It was uh, so fun to baptize people on the beach Sunday in front of a crowd of witnesses who all answered, we will. Um, That's the corporate sense that Paul never wants us to forget. Christianity is not a solo effort. Secondly, Paul says this about a healthy heart, that peace rules inside of it. So it's not just unoxygenated or oxygenated blood that's in there, it's peace. And what comes to my mind is that as people with healthy hearts, healthy spiritual hearts, we should be the first person in the room, in the line, in our families, to offer a word of peace at the moment of confrontation and conflict. I think there's so much confrontation and conflict going on right now, it's so easy to pour gas on those fires. But Paul's saying, wait a minute, you're, you're new, you're changed. You're no longer the way you used to be. Now you have this heart with an outer layer of love and an interior of peace. So where in our lives are we caught up in conflict where we should be bearing peace, but rather we're dumping fuel on a fire? Peace rules in a healthy heart, and it makes us thankful. The last thing he points out is that the word dwells in a healthy heart. And I think he means that two ways. Not only scripture, but also uh, Jesus, the word, dwells in our heart by the power of his Holy Spirit. He's teaching us. He's admonishing us. He's guiding us to one another in all wisdom. 
And he's leading us to worship. It's the, one of the three uh, pillars of this church as we roll out the new vision. Worship is the primary pillar I'm starting with. But it leads us, this heart, this healthy heart, leads us to worship in all thankfulness. Our vision statement is going to be taken from Romans 11.36. And I rolled it out briefly on Sunday. I'll, I'll do it again here. It's Romans 11.36. And this is the, this is the, the verse. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. And one person grabbed me in the back after the service and said, oh, that's great. We can remember that. From him, through him, to him. I said, yeah, I'm going to modify it. From him, through us, to others. From, through, and to. But that's what a grateful heart is always ready to do. Always ready to receive whatever it is the Lord has for it. Always ready to allow it to pass through and go on to the next person in mission or in love or in peace. Those are the words that Paul gives us for a healthy heart. And in that healthy heart, there is no room for vanity. No, that place keeps us completely dependent on God from, through, and to. Grateful for what we've been given and naturally generous to each other. Paul ends with naturally generous. Everything on heaven and earth, remember this, brothers and sisters, separated from God is vanity. Births, deaths, confirmations, weddings, all those biggest and greatest and saddest and darkest events. Without God, it's all meaningless. It is all indeed vanity. But when we come to see and believe that all things do come from God, all things are given to us by God to share with others, vanity has no place. Now that's describing a life that is lived for God's glory and purpose and for the good of ourselves and all creation. Amen.